Good morning, Exchange Church. Oh, that's good. Good. You sounded really, I, I was a little concerned you were asleep earlier in the service. I was like, somebody turn some lights up or something. Um, is, it, is it looking like Christmas at your house, anyone? A little bit? <laughs> All right. Uh, so we got our, our for those, for those that it's your first time, welcome to the exchange. This is a place where purpose is awakened and developed, and I am so happy that you're here, and I see some old friends here, and even old friends with birthdays today that are here. Um, I'm so excited to see you guys. You are in the right place today, and those that are watching online, we are so happy to be in your living room. You really need to sweep, though. Um, (laughs) At our house, we've been under construction for the past four months, approximately, and it finished on Friday around 11 a.m. I mean, yeah, it's, we're pretty excited. The only thing we're waiting on is the glass for the walk-in shower, um, but we're using that bad boy anyway because uh, we are just happy to finally be in our room. It's been great, and, and yesterday or the day before, I, I don't know, yesterday I think we put up our Christmas tree. No decorations, we just put it up. Uh, so we've got now a tree, a green tree, so I'm, I'm excited to get it looking a little bit like Christmas. But you know what I'm most excited about? I am most excited about this sermon today because I have an epic, in my opinion, you can walk away disagreeing with me, but in my opinion, this is one of the most epic pre-Christmas sermons I've ever written, ever spoke, ever read before. So uh, I'm excited today to continue What we've been doing all month, talking about the characters of Christmas. Now, on week one, Carrie, my wife, your pastor, Pastor Carrie, talked about Zechariah and Elizabeth. Do you remember that? It was a great sermon. If you weren't here, check that out online. And then the next week was on Mary and Joseph. And I talked about being the vessel that God wants to use to birth the miraculous. That was an incredible sermon, if I do say so myself. And then last week, the one, the only, the, the fantastic, the formidable Greg brought a tremendous word on the sheep herders, shepherds, right? The sheep herders, shepherds. That's what shepherds means, sheep herders. I know that was a light bulb. That, but I promise if that is the best thing you walk away with today, you're not paying attention, Okay. Um, but he talked last week about the sheep herders, and, and today I want to look at characters of Christmas that were in every single story we talked about so far, but we've not highlighted those characters. Angels. Angels. An angel appeared to Zechariah to tell him that, he, uh, that his prayers had been heard. That's Luke chapter 1, verse 13. An angel told Mary she was going to give birth to God's son. An angel told Joseph to stick with Mary when he was considering leaving her. Do you remember that scandal? Um, And then it was angels who appeared to the sheep herders to announce that the Messiah had been born. It was angels that sang when Jesus was born. They sang glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. It was angels. Scripture says it was a multitude of angels that sang that. The skies were roaring with angels. Multitude here, if you look in the Greek, it sounds like multiple. So it leads you to infer that there were many angels, like five, six, seven, acquire a course. But in the Greek, multitude translates as populous. So this is one of those instances where the English translation doesn't really do it justice. My, my modified translation would be the entire population of heaven saying glory to God in the highest. Right? It was a big deal. The text from the past three weeks contain all the details about the angels interacting with this, these people. And if you missed it, you can write it down real quick and read it later. Zechariah and Elizabeth Luke chapter 1, verses 5 through 25, then Luke 1, 26 through 38, and then Luke 2, 8 through 20. Luke 2, 8 through 20 was Greg's text last week, and that's my text today. I'm just not going to reread it, okay? I, I'm assuming 
that you've already heard it. And if not, I'll explain a bit. I want to move on to some other texts today as we talk about angels. The title of my sermon is Angels on Assignment. Father, we come before you today. I thank you. I thank you, God, that even now there are angels among us, that you have sent them on assignment. There are people in the room that need to be set free. They need to be delivered this morning from some issue, whether it is anger and aggression, whether it is depression, insecurity, Maybe someone in the room needs to be delivered of night terrors. Maybe someone in the room needs to be delivered of precancerous cells. Maybe someone in the room needs to be delivered of a blood disorder that's been recently diagnosed. God, maybe someone in the room needs to be delivered of arthritis. God, we thank you that the host of heaven have brought every answer that we need today. And God, I I just ask in this quiet moment, God, that you would give us eyes to take inventory of ourselves, of what, what we need from heaven. And throughout the next 28 minutes, God, as we unpack your word and discuss the glories of your kingdom, God, that we would notice when those needs are met. God, you're gonna meet some needs over the next 28 minutes. Some of us are going to literally feel our blood pressure return to normal in Jesus' name. Some of us are going to feel our bones strengthen in the name of Jesus. Some of us are going to feel this overwhelming joy. You might even feel the need to excuse yourself because you're just so giddy at inappropriate times. But all of a sudden, that depression, those those ashes turn to beauty. In Jesus' name, we pray, God, let your kingdom be made manifest among us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I want you to pay attention because I believe there are miracles ready to happen this morning, all right? So whatever it is that you need, go ahead and take inventory. Let's take inventory. We're not going to manufacture any miracles. I don't want you to say there was a miracle if there wasn't, but if you don't know what you're looking for, you don't know when you get it. So I want you to take inventory right now because I believe that the atmosphere even now is shifting. I believe that even now the angels are preparing to get into your hands what you have been believing God for, what you have been praying over. You know, the last time I spoke a couple of weeks ago, I shared that Joseph and Mary, earthen vessels, jars of clay, just like them, God is still today looking for earthen vessels, jars of clay, people who are willing to say yes. Um, I, I said that, The oil from heaven, the anointing, the miracles from heaven needs a vessel. It needs a vessel. God won't waste a miracle and just, you know, pour it it out on a people who aren't ready to receive it, who aren't ready to partner with it. God needs a vessel. The enemy knows that he can't stop the oil from flowing, but he can try to break the vessel. He can try to get you to feel like you're not worthy enough to be a carrier of a miracle. Is that good? Can you? He can get you to think that it, the miracle's for someone else. It's for the holy people, the pastor. It's for the, the workers of the church. It's for the missionaries in whatever place. It's for the people who have been Christians for 30 years. I'm here to remind us again, it only takes a yes. God is only looking for a vessel that is empty and that is clean and ready to receive his miracle. And because your vessel is so important, your your body is so important, I want us to understand that Satan hates your body, your physical body. Satan hates your body. For one, there's a couple of reasons. He hates your body because you are the carrier of the image of Christ. Just... Just looking like you look right now, even with your crazy hair day. The angels are looking at you and they are reminded of their creator. You are the image bearer of Christ with all of your flaws. The devil hates that. For a second, for two, because you're the vessel that God can use to accomplish his plan for the nations. God 
wants to partner with us to reach a lost and a dying world. Just like, you know, Carrie was saying a moment ago, having the perspective to see around us that there are people that are dying. Satan hates that you have the capacity to be what God wants to deliver to the world. He hates your body. And listen, Satan despises your flesh. And when I say flesh, I'm, I'm saying your physical body. Okay? We don't hear a lot of sermons that talk about our physical bodies. Um, I'm not talking about flesh patterns or sin. I'm saying your flesh, your, your flesh. Satan hates your flesh. He's been trying to corrupt flesh since the beginning of creation. He hates your, and, and if he hates my flesh, that's one good reason why I'm going to love me some me. I'll say that again. If the devil hates this, that's one good reason why I need to choose to love this. You know, Jesus, I, I feel like this is for someone in the room this morning. Jesus doesn't just love your heart. He doesn't just love your good attitude. He doesn't just love your humor. He doesn't just love your integrity. He doesn't lo just love your... You know, your pure heart and, and clean hands. Jesus, Jesus loves your body. Your physical body, Jesus, that, that's actually the body that Jesus died for. I, I hear all the time people say, I can't wait till I get to heaven and I get my new body. That's great, but this body is the one he died for. Let, let's not diminish the power that we have in a in a physical body to, to bring to the nations the glory of God. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 19 through 20 says, Your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. You are not your own. You were bought at a price. You were bought. Addison, he borrowed a tomb, but he bought you. I mean, we think of an empty tomb and how grand it is and marvelous. He just borrowed that for a few days. He bought you. So there is, there is this spiritual tug of war going on for you. All of you. Your spirit, your soul, your mind, your emotions. And some of these are easy for us to diagnose. Some of us know when Satan is after something, right? You ever been in... Um, I don't know, like a funk. And you don't know why you're in a funk. And suddenly you wise up and you're like, ah, this is just a spiritual attack and I'm going to praise my way through it. Has that ever happened? Like it becomes at some point obvious that the enemy is trying to attack some aspect of you. Your emotions, maybe your relationships. How about that? Any married folk? You ever gotten to a place in your marriage where you're like, okay, I know that we've made some poor decisions, but at the root of it, we have an enemy that is trying to tear at the fabric of our covenant. And we got to together fight this unseen force. Anyone ever been in a marriage where you set your differences aside and you came together to fight the real enemy? The Bible has a lot, a lot to say about these things. And some of them are pretty obvious. Some of them are not. But, man, there, there are moments that it's only through, through prayer, deep prayer, talking to my wife and other people that I respect that maybe catch my blind spots that I see, oh, that's an attack of the enemy. He, he will come after your affections and you won't even see it. You'll just think that's your preferences. He will come after your commitments and you won't even see it. You won't see it as an attack. You will just think that's your value system. Come on, this is deeper than... Maybe it's just sucking all the oxygen out of the room while you process it right now. He will come after you in ways that you, you don't even discern without the power of the Holy Ghost inside of you. We know there is good and evil. We know there is the good, the bad. There is On one side, you've got Yahweh, Yeshua, Holy Spirit. You've got the angels. On the other side, you've got Lucifer, Satan, the devil, um, and his demons, the hordes of hell, right? We understand it's the good versus bad, but I just want to look maybe at, at one element today of the unseen. There's so much 
that I want to talk about today, but I want to, I want to settle in on angels today. Is that all right? We're talking about angels. But before I get to angels, you know, Hollywood and the pulpit give a lot of attention to demons. We do. I do. I, 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 I don't apologize for it. I'm not here to knock it. I, I don't use spiritual warfare as a scare strategy. I use it as an empowerment and an equipping of the saints because you're in a war whether you see it or not. I, I found with Hollywood that they're actually not too far off in their depictions of the demonic. Now, I don't watch horror movies anymore. I just don't. Anything I can watch, I mean, I, I don't usually. Uh, I can watch gore, you know, without it affecting me. But the moment something turns spiritual and demonic, I'm like, no, 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 no. To get that out of our house. Turn it off. I don't care if it was made in 1974 with bad cinematography. I want it off because it, I, I just don't want to give the demonic a platform. The, the, the demons love to put on a show. Love to put on a show. That's why bad news travels faster than good because the demonic loves to get your attention. I, I just don't want to give them the benefit of having my attention. Like they get it sometimes periodically, but I don't want to intentionally give them a platform. And there are times as a pastor, and you don't have to be a pastor to see this. You could see this as well, where I see demonic activity among people, in people, around circumstances, regions and principalities over cities. There are some cities in the United States of America that when you drive in, if you are spiritually in tune, you will sense that you need to be on your guard. Austin, Texas is one of them, which is why the Lord sent us here, to help set the captive free. That's one, one of our, our goals. But, you know, I, I don't actually put a demonic label on everything. Some people do. I don't. I, some people do. You know, if you cough in, in November, um, they're going to say you have a, a spirit of coughing. Do you know what I mean? The leaves turn brown in October. The, the tree is demon-possessed. Like, there, there are some people that just see the demonic and everything. And I'll tell you, those who know me can attest this is true. More often than not, it takes me a little longer to settle in and be okay with saying this is demonic. Even if someone acts demonic, and I've seen people act demonic, I generally, my first go-to is not, that's a demon. No, and that's okay if that's your first thought. I'm not trying to bash that. I'm saying that's not mine. My first thought is, wow, they got some bad LSD. <laughs> it is. My first thought is, it's mental illness. And I'm not making fun of mental illness. It's very, I've seen very severe cases of mental illness. It mimics the demonic. And if your discernment is not up, you will misclassify it. And, and oftentimes it can be both. But I'm not one to jump on the demon train. I, I will give a situation the benefit of the doubt. Oh, they got some bad drugs. Or they, I mean, they drank heavy alcohol for way too many years of their life. And now their brain has just snapped. Oh, alcohol, man. Alcohol is a snake. I, I, this is not to bash alcohol. I don't believe alcohol is a sin, but too much alcohol, it will wreck you. It will destroy your family, and you never know when it will bite. You may be fine from day to day to day managing the alcohol, and all of a sudden, your body physiologically, I'm not even talking about demons, y'all. Physiologically, your body will snap and your brain will be rewired, and you will physically need that alcohol. It will no longer be just a casual thing. It will be a necessity to live. Alcoholics, when they come off of alcohol, if it's not done under medical supervision and medical care, they will die. So you and I have to, I don't know how I got off on this, 
demons. Oh, yeah. I do believe there's a demon of alcoholism. I believe there are demons of drug addiction. I believe there are demons of porn addiction. I know you, you thought that one time of sitting at the computer screen watching something inappropriate when your spouse wasn't there was no big deal. And, and maybe you got away with it one or two or ten times or maybe for a couple of years before any demons happened to pass by. Because demons can't be everywhere at once like Holy Spirit. But maybe they pass by and they see that open door that you've just created in your heart. And suddenly what seemed like a simple satisfaction became the nutrients and food for the demonic to flourish in your life. Now, I don't call everything demonic, okay? That's my whole point. My wife can attest. She has to convince me sometimes, no, no, that's demonic, right? I, I don't look for the demonic. I don't see the demonic, except there was that one time. I saw a demon-possessed man who did what no human could humanly do. This is a really odd topic for a pre-Christmas sermon. I was in church. I was a kid, but old old enough to fully know what was going on. It was a small church in East Austin, still there to this day, grew up there, and a man comes in, and he begins to slither on the ground and foam at the mouth. I see it. Me, myself, and I saw it. Now, even still, in my young 47 years of age, I could justify this and say that it was a seizure even though he was coherent and screaming profanities. I I could justify it and say, oh, it's maybe a doubt working of Tourette's or some some condition. I could justify the slithering of a snake and the foaming at the mouth, but there's the next thing that I can't justify. My parents sent me to the car because they didn't want me to be around. I go in the car. I'm sitting there. Doors are shut. Windows are all the way up. And I don't know how long it is that the church is praying over the man, praying over the man. I'm not seeing it. It's some distance from the car to the church door where he's coming out. I would estimate, I'm the world's worst estimator. I would estimate 40, 50 yards, 30 yards, somewhere between one yard and 100. (laughs) But it was far. I'm in the car, doors closed windows up, and I see the door to the church house open. The man walks out. The church men walk with him. I see them hug. I see him wipe a tear. I see them very vividly remember, hand them, hand him a Bible. And as he turns to leave, I'm staring through the back glass of the car. His mouth opens like a yawn, a large yawn, and the roar of a lion came out of his mouth. Not a man intimidating, what is that word? Imitating, not a man imitating a lion. The roar of a lion came out of his mouth. I heard it so loud, so clear. I was instantly sick to my stomach in the car. Now listen, some of you have the luxury of not believing in the demonic. I don't have that luxury because my eyes have seen and my ears have heard. And once you see something like that, you can't pretend that it doesn't exist. You know, pulpits don't talk about demons, Lucifer, spiritual warfare a lot. We, we do talk about those kinds of things. But in a very real way, we are in a very real war. So you, you need to understand those things. The demonic is, is very real. This war is more real than any tension or war we experience. This war is more real than capitalism and communism. It, it is more real than vaccinated and vaccine-free. It is more real than left and right. It is more 
real than any tensions or, or instabilities that we as a culture see and we feel. The spiritual realm is very real. So we have to equip you for battle. I get that. But what we don't give much time to are angels. Angels. So I want to talk about angels today. It's, it's somewhat of a fringe subject, okay? That's maybe why you don't hear a lot about angels, because with this theme, there can be a lot of fanaticism. I mean, you can go to Barnes and Nobles, or you can Google any stories about people that have seen angels, talked to angels, heard from angels, got clothed by angels, fed by angels. And, and 90% of it, you read it and you think, this doesn't even sound biblical. Do you know what I mean? So it feels a lot like fairy tale. It feels a lot like conjecture. Um, it's filled with fanaticism for sure at, at the best, but at the worst, it's filled with very bad systematic theology. And so we don't hear a lot about angels. You can um, go to the scripture, though, and the scripture actually says quite a bit about angels. There are just over 300 verses that discuss angels. 300. That's, that's a lot. And then if you add all the times it says Lord of hosts, H-O-S-T-S, um, that's another 200, so that would be 500. Host, by the way, uh, means the angel armies, the, the warrior, the warring angels. Um, when you begin to study all the places the angels show up in Scripture, it can be a little surprising. In fact, they show up so often that we often don't see them in the stories that we read. Here's an example. I, I don't know that I ever really realized that an angel was with Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. You, you know the story. Uh, he's about to be betrayed. He goes to the garden and he tells his disciples, Peter, James, and John, hey, pray with me for one hour. He goes to pray and they fall asleep. And he's in turmoil and he's sweating drops of blood and he goes back in their sleep and he's, why can you not stay awake just one hour to pray? And like several times he goes back to pray in the garden and he's, he's so exhausted, so frail, the Bible says in Luke that an angel ministered to him, brought strength to him. I actually have never seen that in a Christmas pageant. I've never seen that in an Easter story. I've never seen where the angel shows up to give Jesus Bethlehem bread in the garden. But that's kind of, that's what happened. Angels are everywhere. Angels were present at the giving of the Ten Commandments. I, we thought it was just Moses and God, but it wasn't. Angels were present. A in fact, you would probably be very hard-pressed to turn the page of the Bible and not hear the flutter of angels' wings. They're consistently through all of the stories. So what does the Bible say about angels? Um, let me take you to our text. Turn with me to Psalm 91. Psalm 91. Now, when, when you're in trouble, what do you dial on the phone? 911. When you're in trouble on earth here, what do you dial on the phone? Someone's at the door with the machete. You dial 911. Well, when, you, when you're in trouble here on earth, you can go to Scripture 911, Psalms 91, verse 1, 911, and it says this, He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I will trust. Now this, this chapter, Psalm 91, is all about shelter and security that we have in the Lord. Okay, if you dial 911, Psalm 91, verse 1, and keep reading, you get help and assistance from the Lord. If we jump down a few verses, it tells us one of the ways that we get help from the Lord. Verse 11 says, For he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. Now, first, let's notice something very important. In my Bible, I underlined, uh, he will command. God commands the angels, not us. There is a lot of bad theology, dominion theology out there that, that says uh, you get to... I heard a sermon just the other day from a guy... And he gave this great illustration. I, I was like, man, I want to steal that illustration. It's just false teaching. 
um, so I can't. But he, he showed um, how that we are co-heirs with Christ and the angels are made less than Christ. And he pulled the human up to the same level as Christ, which all of that can be justified in Scripture. But then he went a step further to say, you need an angel. He's your slave. Tell him what you need. Tell him what to go do for you. Send him on mission. And I'm thinking, even Jesus, even Jesus, when he was about to go to the cross, said he could go to the Father, and the Father would send thousands of angels to rescue him. Right? Uh, even, uh, this, even in Daniel, Michael comes and gets in a, he's trying to rescue an angel, and he's fighting with a big demon, and Michael, the archangel, the, the, the superhero angel, didn't even rebuke the demon. He said, the Lord rebuke you. Right? He invoked the name, the name of Jesus. So we have to be careful when we talk about angels. that They don't become our, our servants in a way that we just send them here and there to do our bidding. All right? It's, I mean, I suppose you could try if you want. It's just kind of out of, out of alignment. It's not really how God set up the, the structure. You know... Um, Billy Graham said, I've never seen an angel. I believe in angels, not because I've seen one, but because the Bible tells me they exist. Some of you may have seen angels. Some of you may have heard angels sing. I've always wanted to hear angels sing, and I haven't. Anyone in the room have heard angels sing? Yeah, wow, several. That's good for you. I've wanted that for a while. Um, <clears throat> God, I think I've come to the conclusion that it's not really important if we see angels or we hear angels. What's important is that we understand and know that angels see us. The angels see you. They, they see you in those times when you think no one else can. They see you in those times when you feel so hidden, isolated, alone, misunderstood. They, they see you. And Paul tells us that the angels long to look on the things concerning the things of God. God's church, God's people, salvation. When, when someone is about to give their heart to Christ, the angels lean in. They are fascinated by our experience of salvation. They are fascinated by our interaction with the spirit realm. When we step out in faith, when we pray, when we fast, when we read the Bible, angels are amazed. They're amazed because they know that you and I can't see what they all see. Faith fascinates them. Faith pleases God. Faith intrigues angels. So our faith creates a movement in the atmosphere, angelic movement. When we trust God in situations where it requires a lot of faith, the angels lean in. In fact, they're in the room right now. There are angels in the room right now intrigued that we're even talking about them because they know that most of us have probably never encountered them or seen them. There is a spirit realm that is between the earthly realm and heaven that is tissue paper thin. The spirit realm is more real than anything you and I see right now. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 18 says, to fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is Unseen, since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. The world is passing away. Let's face it, I love the planet. I recycle, but it's passing away. Fix our eyes on the things that are not seen. And part of that is the angelic realm. So angels, who are they? I got three points for you today in the next five minutes. Angels are worshipers. Angels were created and designed by God 
to be worshipers. Right now, they are around, right now, many of them, not all of them, are around the throne of God worshiping him. One of the places that we see angels the most in scripture is in Revelation. And it gives a pretty lengthy description of what the angels look like. John saw these beings around the throne joining the saints of the ages, you and me worshiping God. Angels are created beings, created in eternity past, before humans were created, and before the creation of time as we know it, angels existed. Angels were around before the earth was made. They are immortal, they are innumerable. And millions and millions and thousands upon thousands of angels right now are worshiping God around the throne. Some of them have many wings, four wings, six wings, two wings, eight wings. Some of them have multiple feet, multiple legs. There's one creature described in Revelation with multiple eyes. Some of them have a head of a human and then torso down of a horse. It's like Narnia in real life. And you thought, yes, Lewis just was using his creativity. He was divinely inspired. I believe some of these creatures reflect the real angelic creatures that are currently in heaven, even now as we speak. And when Isaiah saw the Lord lifted up high, he saw Jesus himself on the throne of eternity. And around the throne, he saw cherubim and seraphim, translucent beings that were reflecting the glory of God. They were so bright. As they moved around, it's loud. They're praising God. It's, it's, it's loud in heaven, guys. And I don't know if heaven's going to pass out earplugs or not, but it's loud. As the population of heaven is shouting, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was, who is, who is to come. That's what Revelation says. We're going to be shouting at the top of our, it's going to be like a beehive of, it is right now, like a beehive of activity. Angels, millions of angels flying around the throne, worshiping God, saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Why holy? Because holy is the supreme nature of God. They were made to worship him. They worship, they worship him like that's the only job they have. Like they don't have a job on Monday. They worship him like their existence depends on it. Angels and their activity should prompt us, you and I, the redeemed, to worship all the more. We've experienced something that angels have not. We have experienced the grace of a God who wanted to connect with a sinful person like you and I. The angels are amazed by that. And who else to know the grace of God than an angel who knows all of your flaws, who saw you when you were, and sees God face to face in his holiness. And they see the two and how it pairs up at the cross reveals the grace of God. Angels are worshipers. You know, 80% of Americans, 80% of Americans believe in angels. 80%. There's, there's more propaganda about angels than, than there are Jesus candles. You know what I'm talking about? Jesus candles. I think maybe the world wants to believe in angels because it's kind of like a softer version of God. It's a being that is there to serve them rather than setting their foundation on a God who they were created to serve. Hebrews 1.14 says, Are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister for those who will inherit Salvation in your Bible, underline inherit salvation. That's who angels are sent to. They're sent not to an unbelieving world. They're sent to those who believe, those who will inherit salvation. 
The promise of angels is not just for anyone and everyone. I'm sorry if you're, if you're watching this and you're far from Jesus, you don't know him. The, the promise for angels is not really for you. It's for the redeemed. In fact, angels most often in scripture show up to the unbelievers whenever judgment needs to be dished out. The angels who pour out the bowls of wrath upon a, a world in Revelation. So angels is not really a, a great thing for the world to be excited about. In fact, if you're far from Jesus right now or, or you're a lukewarm Christian and you see an angel, I suggest that you repent immediately. Angels are sent to the believer. They're sent to minister to believers. But even in their service to you, they're not looking to glorify themselves. That's why they stay hidden. It's not like the demonic who wants a show. The demonic is like, look at me, look at me. Angels are like, look at him, look at him. They're like secret agents, special ops. They're sent on an assignment and they slip in and they do what needs to be done and they slip out. They don't want to be seen. They don't want you to catch them. They just want all the glory to go to God. Angels are also warriors. Can you give me three minutes, three more minutes? Three minutes? Can you give the Lord three minutes? Angels are warriors. Angels are warriors. So many church pageants, I've been guilty of this too in all my production days. The angels are always like the cute little girls with big eyes and bright smiles, right? Oh, she looks just like an angel. But in reality, angels look a lot more like the rock. They are warriors. They are big and they are strong and they are tall and they are strapped for battle. They are they are warriors. They are they are ready to be sent on mission for you. Now listen, the Bible tells us in the end of days, which I believe we're there. In the end of days, the spirit of lawlessness is going to increase. That means there will be more demonic activity as the days come to an end. Now, I don't know if you've been seeing what I've been saying or hearing the sirens that I've been hearing, but you can sense in, in not just America, in the world, that the earth is groaning for the revelation of its creator and lawlessness is increasing. Can I get a witness from anybody in the room? Do you sense it like you feel it? You, you know that things are shifting. The Bible tells us that that is going to be the case. There will be more demonic activity on the earth in the end of days. But because angels are warriors and this is a spiritual warfare, if there are more demons at the end of days, that means God has dispatched more angels. It happened in Daniel chapter 10. Daniel's praying and he's fasting. He's praying for his nation and he's not getting an answer. And an angel is bringing him an answer and he gets held up in, in the heavens. He's being fought by a very powerful demon. I mentioned this, referenced this earlier. For 21 days, Daniel is praying. Finally, God sends Michael to take care of business and lets the angel come on through. And he gets to Daniel and he says, Daniel, I've been held up in the heavens, but I want you to know the Lord heard your prayer on day one. God has been fighting for you since day one. And some of you in the room You've been on your knees before the Lord, fighting, fighting for your marriage. I need you to know the Lord has heard you since day one. Some of you have been fighting for your sanity, fighting for your kids, fighting for your family. And you don't see things shifting. I need you to know that help is on the way. The Lord heard you on day one. So you got to keep praying. You got to keep believing because prayer is not preparation for battle. Prayer is battle. And God has surrounded us with angels. And that is good news. Pedro, we are not alone. 
There are some days you can walk into a room filled with people and feel ever so alone. But you are not alone. Do we have a guardian angel? That's a question I get asked a lot. I don't know. Scripture isn't clear on it. It's folklore. It's tradition in the church to say you have a guardian angel. And when, um, you know, bad things almost happen and they don't, you tend to be like, oh, I've got a guardian angel. Some of you require four or five guardian angels. There's enough scripture about that that we could massage the text to make an assumption that we have a guardian angel. Here's one thing we do know. We are consistently surrounded by angels, right? That's the one thing that, that is clear. And some of you have a story that you can point back to and there was a shift in something. Maybe there's a diagnosis and all of a sudden something shifted. Maybe there was a relationship breakdown and all of a sudden something shifted and you point back and you say, that was not a coincidence. We all have those, those types of stories. And in, in those moments, I guarantee you, angels were involved. Someday when you get to heaven, you're gonna meet some of the angels that were involved in some of the, the moments of your life. I think one of the things we're gonna say most in heaven is, aha, it all makes sense. Uh, the angel's gonna come up and say, do you remember when you made that stupid decision to drive one way down the wrong way and you almost got thrown off the bridge? You can thank me. And you're like, aha, I knew there had to be some divine intervention. Who, who else were you watching? Who, oh, me, yeah, no, I, I was also, before you, I was assigned to Martin Luther King. What, are you kidding me right now? I have Martin Luther King's angels? I just think that's cool. Like the angels have been around for eternity. The same angels who bear witness to the foundations of the earth being laid sit with you in your room at night. The same angels who came to Mary and said, you're going to conceive a son. You may pass on your way to lunch today. The same, the same angels the same angels that were with Jesus in the garden might be in this room today. The same two angels that after Jesus died, he was placed in a tomb. And on the third day, they went to see the grave. And there were two angels that said, he is not here. He is risen those same angels may be the ones talking to you as you journal this evening. You are not alone. Angels are a witness to the glory and the power of God. They've been a witness since day one. I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet this morning. During this sermon, I believe that angels have delivered to you the miracles that you've been praying for. Maybe not them all, but many. That thing that you have been petitioning heaven for, our worship team will come up. I know we're, we're over time and we're not gonna go long. I just wanna scan the room and, and give our online crowd a chance to, to weigh in, to type in. If you sense in your spirit that during this moment, you sense the angels were leaning in, they, they brought to you that thing which you've been believing God for. Will you just wave at me? You just sense that God has done something. Okay, yeah, 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 great. One, two, three. Anyone else? Anyone else? Three, all right. So let's, let's get our worship team up here. There's someone in the room that the Lord wants to heal of digestive issues. I feel like it's a chronic issue. It's not bad pizza. It's a chronic digestive issue. Anyone in the room? Okay, come, come. Couple, a couple people.
if you're watching online and that's you, just raise your hand, do your favorite emoji, digestive issues, we're just believing God for healing right now, in the name of Jesus. Angels have been entertained this morning and we've been unaware. This is the moment, the intersection where our faith becomes tangible, where our healing becomes miraculous. And right now, in the name of Jesus, by the power of the Holy Spirit, God, I thank you that you already knew this moment was going to happen. You already, you already knew, God, that you were having angels on standby to deliver this healing, specifically this healing. So, Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, we speak to the body. We command it to line up with the word of God. God, I thank you, God, that you're just speaking healing to them right now in Jesus' name. This, this chronic digestive disorder, you have no place in your sons and your daughters. God, there's not sickness in heaven. And so we just declare that even now we can walk in the freedom of heaven on earth. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Someone in the room with ringing in your ears. I don't know what that condition is called. I'm not a doctor. But there's, you hear ringing. Is that tinnitus? Yeah. Anyone in the room? Tinnitus? Tinnitus? Music. I don't know why. It's not ringing you hear, you hear music. It's not there. Anyone in the room? Someone checking online. There's hearing issues, hearing music that's not really going on. Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, by the power of the Holy Spirit, God, to this person that, that that's hearing things that aren't there, <laughs> Lord, I'm not I'm not the one to ever call a demonic, so you know I'm not going to go there. But I know that the power of your Holy Spirit will drive out any infirmity, any spirit, any harassing spirit. God, we just speak peace to them in the name of Jesus. Okay, you got one. Now in the name of Jesus, which camera am I looking at? Right now in the name of Jesus, Brian, like eyes with me, in Jesus' name, I just declare, God, that there is no distance with heaven. There are no distance uh, concerns with angels. Father, right now, I thank you that you've sent your angel to where Brian is. I believe he's in Houston. God, I, I thank you that you're going to deliver healing to him right now. His ears, we speak healing over it. Any harassing spirit that is trying to come against him right now. I forbid you from visiting him any longer in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Can we, let's sing. Let's worship. Come on. Let's worship. Jesus, Jesus, you are. 